Hello everyone and welcome to episode number two of the Sim Racing in Focus podcast where we talk about sim racing as the name suggests. If you're coming back from last week, thanks for tuning in once again and if you're new to the podcast, hopefully you'll enjoy the episode and stick around for future ones. I'm your host Dean Redder, I'm the owner of a small startup site known as Sim Racing in Focus dot blog uh, where we initially aim to bring uh, blog style content regarding sim racing to you uh, we're now going out via this podcast on tonight's episode we'll be doing our usual weekly drive-by segments including race recaps from the v8 veterans the east coast v8 supercar series and a little bit of an update regarding the logitech g pro invitational v8 supercar series and how their pre-qualifying is tracking our other leagues are yet to begin but we'll also cover a few news topics that have come up during the week. It's now iRacing week number eight. We'll be looking at week number seven on the show today. Let's get into it. Okay, everyone, I think we'll start this week's episode with a look at the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. We've got quite a big show to get through tonight. Um, once again, gone over time, but we'll get through these initial segments quite quickly. Uh, we've seen the first round of pre-qualifying get underway for the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. The pre-qualification process for Logitech G Pro Invitational Series took place over four nights at two tracks. Those tracks were... Phillip Island and Winton, uh, where a combined lap time from the both circuits was made for each driver using their best laps at each circuit. So obviously if your combined time at both circuits was was the lowest, you, you'd go through them first. Um, and this, is, this process is all to set the grid for what will be known as the qualifying series. And then I believe from the qualif the qualifying series, the top 25 drivers progress through to the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series itself, where the top 20 from last season have already pre-qualified. So a little bit of a lengthy process, but important for number crunching and getting the, the right drivers into these or into the starting grid, which I think is around about 45 cars at the time round one kicks off. So um it is the premier series in australia for v8 supercar so it is a difficult process to get in but obviously it's it's there for a reason to, to try and get the best drivers in australia there on the grid come round one leading the way from pre-qualifying now that it has been decided was griffin gardner from 95 sim sport um last season's v8 supercar online premier series champion he goes through uh Former former champion, I believe, from season one, Jared Fieldsell from Lobs Esports in, in P2 and Luke Mitchinson from Race on Oz in P3. Um, they were the top qualifiers on the night and, and obviously there would be another, 40, another 42 drivers taken from that pre-qualification results all going through into uh, the qualifying series, which is due to kick off inside iRacing's week eight. 
So from next week, we'll start seeing results from that qualification series. Moving on to the V8 veterans. Um, last week, they went to Zandvoort, where it turned out quite an interesting race. Big talking points from this race probably started in qualifying when series leader Mick Taliancic, um probably didn't have the qualifying session that he was looking for, would start the race out of P21, I believe it was. Um, but then also we had uh, Scotty Gamble really set a good lap time in, in, in quality, and I think he was about two or three tenths up on the rest of the field. So he set the tone early doors for the pace that he had, and uh, the opening stands of the race pretty much went through to form when Scotty got out to a uh, a comfortable lead before a, a pretty crucially timed safety car right on the right on the penny uh, the point of where everyone had started stopping for their first pit stops um threw a bit of a spanner in the works a lot of drivers elected to pit twice under the safety car which just added chaos and confusion to the race and trying to follow it um during the broadcast but there was a lot of then obviously deviated strategies which would you would see half the field um pit once and then have to pit again later in the race and and other well most drivers still who elected to do the two pit stop would have to pit later in the race again as well because they couldn't quite match manage to, to stretch it all the way home but but yeah that really it really livened the race up um because scotty was quite dominant up until that point and uh, we've seen a lot of the leaders get back down into the middle of the pack and have to make their way back through over what was a really really long stint um after that lap sort of 14 15 safety car there was about 47 laps in total for the race so um yeah the it really made the race interesting what it all boiled down to in the end is with a couple of laps to go we found that Ken Lader from Fishing Motorsports and certainly Scott Gamble and Darren Lobb out of DPR were the top three drivers on the track and Mick Talianch has managed to find his way all the way up into fourth after the, 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 the less than ideal starts to the race but he was he was uh, struggling towards the end of the race and things really got quite interesting with car contact and everything like that and that, uh, he would inevitably drop back down again but it would finish that way it would finish with Scott Gamble taking the race win from Canaflata Fishing Motorsports in second and um, yeah Darren Love coming home for DPR in third that result would see Ken Ken Ladder take over the series lead um, from Italianchich and Blake Delaney still holding down third. Those results are yet to go final, I believe, or at least they haven't been finalised on the on the Facebook page. So one to keep an eye on. But obviously that top spot is does have a golden ticket through to the Logitech G. So a lot of these drivers are all in for the qualification series. I know certainly um, Kenneth Ladder is, Michael Talley Anchich is, and Blake Delaney is as well. So, yeah, so this is those drivers are trying to keep their spots alive by both means, whether it's pre-qual and going into the qualification series or ideally they can secure it with a, with a golden ticket in this league. So... Yep, a big change at the top there um, from this this round. So that starts to heat up now. Um, they're through seven rounds. So we're past halfway, I believe, in that championship. 
have to double check on that. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's all starting to unfold there. We move on now to the East Coast Fiat Supercar Series, which they also visited uh, Zandvoort. I believe it was round number three for them. This race uh, was probably a little bit less choppy, chop and changey when can you compare it to the V8 uh, Veterans race, but you, you've got a couple of exceptionally quick drivers at the front of this field. Um, James Scott, which um, has basically won, I think, the three races up until this point, he would go on to qualify on pole and, and win this one in quite comfortable fashion by uh, nine and a half seconds over Evolution Racing's uh, Robert Gibbs. That would be James' teammate Dylan Rudd from Lawless Esports, also rounding out the podium there. Um, James, James and Dylan have got exemptions already through the Logitech G Pro Invitational, so I think from from memory, we're looking at uh, Sean McNamara as one of the guys that currently holds down the automatic exemption spot, and last week's guest Sean McNamara. Um, and I think Jacob O'Reilly from Vermilion Motorsport. As a, so that's that's accurate up until the results of round three. So I think Jacob there holds down the second ticket heading into round four. Um, so yeah, some interesting results coming in there. Um, those guys that we mentioned that hold down the the, the tickets, they're, they're, they're around about fourth and fifth in the championship. So the, the, those top three have already got exemptions through sorted for themselves. So it's a little bit of a trickier one to follow along with because those people that are going to get those tickets may not finish, you know, first and second in the, in the championship table. Okay, that pretty much sums up the races from this week. Zandvoort was an interesting track. It was certainly a little bit weird to see the V8s on the big banking and, you know, there was a, certainly a lot of uh, incidents around the carousel and, and how, how cars exited the carousel. It, was, it made for interesting viewing. Um, but, you know, not a track that I would say is quite common in these cars. So you could definitely see a few of our usual characters that, are, that have been traveling really well up until this point. Might have just been a little bit off for these rounds, but it, it keeps it interesting. With all that being said, I think we're going to move into a little bit of news. Alrighty, a little bit of breaking news from this week. Uh, Fanatec have announced further delays to their CSL DD products. Uh, this is the latest in a little bit of a string of setbacks for the products, which I believe went on pre-sale. Uh, Black Friday of 2023. So I'm not sure what the expectation was regarding how long that pre-order was going to be, but the, the latest announcement from Fanatec indicated that they hadn't secured licensing from Sony, which I believe these products are going to be cross-compatible with PlayStation. That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> And maybe you take a risk when you do pre-order stuff that th this type of thing can occur, but you would probably, in my opinion, at least expect that that licensing has been secured by the time it goes on pre-sale. I don't know. Just as a, yeah, as a customer, that's something that I would probably not be overly happy with. Um, 
But in saying that, I've been a Fanatec customer in the past. I've had and used quite a lot of their products and not had any issues with them myself. But I certainly feel for those people that have have done some pre-orders with Fanatec and yeah, to to looking you know looking to February as a possible shipment date, but nothing concrete. Um, it's a little bit concerning. Um, hopefully everything works towards a decent resolution for everyone there with that one. And um, Fanatec, I think, have had some questions raised about customer service, but I, I don't really think this is a customer service issue. It's a it's a it's a timing issue, and um, yeah, we, in terms of licensing, it's just yeah. Hopefully that needs to get lined out quickly, and 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 everyone gets their product. So a little bit of bad news on that front, but um, yeah, look, hopefully that gets resolved, as we keep saying. A little bit of good news from this week is the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. I, I, yeah, I have that right. I'm just checking it out now. <laughs> it's quite a mouthful. The qualification process for this series has been run and 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 and, and decided. So this is probably, as far as road racing is concerned, on 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 iRacing, this is probably one of the premier, if not the premier, series for people that are looking to really compete professionally. Um, there's over a two hundred thousand dollar US prize pool on offer for people competing in this. It is a tremendously difficult thing to qualify for, um, but as we mentioned in last week's episode, it's a series that at least from Australia's point of view, has been incredibly successful. Uh, there's a story out on the simracinginfocus.blog website sort of highlighting just the amount of success that Australia has had and Australian drivers in particular has had in this series. Um, I don't know, is it three of the first five or three of the first six championships have gone to Australians? Um, I believe it's two to Josh Rogers and... And certainly last year's one to uh, Altus Esports, Jordan Caruso. So the good news, again, from a qualification series is obviously Jordan won last year. So he, he is in again for season two. And it looks like on the website, he's confirmed to be taking place. Um, so obviously representing Australia there um, uh, and Altus Esports, also an Australian team. So good to see those guys are getting onto the world stage. Uh, and we also have a Cooper Webster who's racing for Oracle Red Bull Racing Esports. Um, he's another, the second Australian in that field. So two Australians. Uh, we also have Dina Lombardi, and Simone Maria Machano. They're also in the, the, the Aussie-backed Alters Esports, but racing under different nationalities. But, you know, certainly can follow along and... If the Aussie drivers aren't doing any good, we, we, we sort of wish those guys all the best as well because it'd be, if we can't get an Auss, Aussie driver up the front, it'd be good to see an Aussie team there instead. So, look, yeah, there's there's out of the uh, 40 or so competitors, there's there's a good, strong, healthy Australian contingent again this, uh, again this year. So we'll uh, we'll try and keep up to date with how they're travelling because it it's certainly something that at least... I think locally may not get the attention that it deserves, but um, unfortunately, Josh Rogers doesn't look like he's going to be competing 
Um, and, and I think we've had previous drivers such as Dane Warren, Jared Philsell, and apologies if I missed anyone else, but they're guys that have been in this series that, that don't look to be competing again this year for, for probably various reasons. But yeah, we'll certainly be all over the Aussie contingent that is that going there. So that's just a few new, a little bit of news that we just chose to cover. We did work through the segments a little, a little bit quickly this week because we do have a rather long interview. Once again, I didn't do a great job at keeping it to time. So, however, I think you'll find tonight's guest, uh, Lasseth Leonage from Phoenix Racing Team, has got a very, very interesting and long and in-depth story with his involvement in iRacing uh, and his his involvement and also his son's involvement in iRacing and if, if anyone's done any participation in the V8 supercar, they'll, they'll know of the, the last name Leonage and, and how successful they've been on track. I was certainly taken by surprise just how in-depth and how involved they are, whether it's racing, whether it's coaching, whether it's real-world driving. They certainly know how to maximise their potential and are now helping other people maximise their potential. So once again... I hope you can sit back and enjoy our interview with Phoenix Motorsports' Lasseth Leonage. Okay, Lasseth Leonage, welcome to the Sim Racing in Focus podcast. How are you today, mate? Uh, I'm good, mate. Yourself? Mate, can't complain. Yeah. So I'm um, yeah, big day at the beach and <laughs> just sitting back there and having a few beers. So it's uh, it's good that you um, have given up your time to come and have a chat. So um, yeah, mate, welcome aboard. Thank you. Um, it's um, yeah, just. <laughs> Not sure if you caught the, the first episode, but we're just having trying to speak to someone new each week, uh, someone within the iRacing community here at the at least in the first couple of episodes of the podcast, um, get their own sort of unique experiences with iRacing or sim racing in general, and and uh, certainly think you have a unique um, experience so far from what I've observed. So hopefully. Um, yeah, we'll get a bit of a chance to listen to you talk tonight and and go from there. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I listened to the first um, episode and I thought it was um, it was bang on, and um, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I th yeah, I, not to toot my own horn, but I thought it come together okay for for a first attempt. So yeah, hopefully we'll keep that rolling on here. But um, look, let's um. Let's get into it, and we'll just start broadly here and talking about yourself um, in particular. Like a bit of a, a, a generic startup question: sort of what what got you started in in iRacing, and um, and maybe you could give us a little bit of understanding with that, and then how that sort of flowed on to leading you into your first iRacing team. Well, iRacing for me was more of a tool to do some practice for my real life track stuff that I've done in the past. Um, I've been doing hill climb racing and track days with real cars for a long time, probably just over 20 years. And um, iRacing was more around 
getting used to tracks before I go into a track day, like Philip Barton, for example. And now we got Winton and, and Sandown as well. So um, it was more to do some practice at Phillip Island um, that sort of got me started in iRacing. Okay. But, so um, you're, you're, yeah. yes, so you're Victorian based then and, and they're two Correct. tracks that, Correct. Yeah, any, any other tracks that might, people might be able to relate to that, that are around your area? Uh, around my area, the closest track to me is Sandown. I'm probably about 15 minutes, 20 minutes away from Sandown, about 100 k's away from Phillip Island, and I would say about 200 odd k's away from Winton. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So just more of a practice tool there in the video. Sorry, sorry if I cut you off a little bit there. No, 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 that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, okay, so you got into it just, just, just for the sake of... I guess it offered a bit of a uh, the physics and the and the the scan data and 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 how sort of accurate iRacing can be offered you that a bit of a training tool. To yeah, uh, it was more of a seed time kind of a thing for me um, before I got into the got into the real track. So um, do some laps, get a bit of a feel for the track, um, and obviously um, they don't have all the same cars that I've owned in the past, but. Um, that definitely helped um, just to get my eye in for for the real tracks. Okay, so I guess much like much like Sean, uh, you and I do, we go back a couple of years. Um, very very similar. Yeah, I would say uh, probably with, three years. I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back to the the ad mini side. So at some point, yeah. obviously, the racing become more about practice, more than just about practice. It, it got it got to you as well as the competition, I suppose, of it. Or fire racing sort of uh, led you to be a little bit more competitive. Yeah, yeah. So um, I started doing those practice laps just before track days, but then I was doing officials and obviously just like everyone else, started with MX5, um, worked my way through the licensing ranks, and and um, you know, then ended up getting to the supercar. And um, I thought that was a very difficult car to learn to drive. Um, on the sim, uh, I have no idea how it is in real life, but I'm assuming it will be just as hard, if not more. So, um, that got me sort of started with the racing side of it. I've never, um, really raced in a league before until I, um, I got into the Jinx series, which is, which became RSRA later on. Yep. Um, and that got me started back of seconds, uh, second split. And then worked my way up to the to the top split, racing there. And um, I think we had six seasons of RSRA um, all up. And um, between me and Rehard, we managed to win three of them. Yeah. Oh, I that I, you know I don't doubt you at all. That's just, I'm surprised to actually hear we got we did get through six seasons there. Yeah, with, we did. Um, with real sim racing Australia, and I remember um, doing some some you know, admini type stuff for, for that league. And one of those things was, was diving back through and trying to come up with a little bit of a, a, a data, a statistics base for, you know, race starts, race wins and things like that. And yeah, um, I think I come on board maybe the second or third season. And uh, at that time you were probably no I peak of your powers. So <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Um, you have, you go from, and you know, uh, you, you sort of, Okay, I come into the league and and here you are winning, if not, um, 
you know, a real podium threat every week. And, and, yeah. and you look back and, and yeah, you're only going back a season or two. Um, and you're going, okay, what's, what's Laz doing at the back of split two? <laughs> it, it happened <laughs> very, very fast for you, didn't it? That it went, and it, you're right. The V8 supercar is, is a, um, you know, a, a very difficult car to learn. And, and most people will probably tell you that it'll take six to 12 months before you would get that sort of improvement out of somebody. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm reasonably a quick learner with um, anything that I sort of put my mind into and I'll either put 100% or I'll put nothing at all. Um, yeah. There is no in-between when it comes down to effort. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll put everything on the line to uh, to improve and, and the results were, were coming. And I remember the, the RSRE series was a fixed setup series. So, um, and then it became an open setup series and, um, and I won the first, well, the last of the fixed setup series. Um, and then I managed to win the open setup series straight after in the second season. So, yeah. um, that was, I thought that was quite interesting and at the same time quite challenging. Yeah. So I think from memory, it was RSRE was a, followed a similar type of schedule to the iRacing calendar. So to put that in perspective, we're really talking. We're really talking two i racing seasons between being the back of split to to contending for a championship, which is impressive in its own feet. Um, and yeah, I can that that sort of level of um, performance increase. I think is something when I've sort of followed you along, you can see that steep curve whether it's, you know, you yourself racing or, you know, as I'm sure we'll get into later on, uh, other members that are sort of close to you in the team environment that, that mm. obviously get on that curve as well. So there's a there's a little secret unlocked <laughs> to unlock here in terms about how to go about self-improvement. But, okay, so you you got yourself into that league and, and so now give us a bit of an idea. You Were you a privateer when you entered that league and then you, you got affiliated no, with the team? No, I've... Funny enough, uh, I entered the the league as a privateer, and then um, JP from JP Simshed approached me and said, um, "Last, you want to join my team?" Um, I thought, you know what, it, it might not be a bad idea because I'm a newbie to the supercar, and um, I'm newbie to the uh, league racing as well. So um, I thought it might not be a bad idea to um, join a team and and learn from it. So. Um, yeah, so that got me into the team. I think at the time they had probably 30 plus members in that team. So it was a, quite a large team. Um, and that sort of got me started. And and I got to learn from a couple of people. Um, I remember um, Lachlan Manif, um, who was um, who was in the team. And um, I got a, quite, quite a few pointers out of him because, and then now he went to do... Um, all the real life stuff. I think he's racing TCRs last time I checked. So yep, yep, yes. That's a it's a it's a name I can that rings a bell. I I'm not sure exactly what real life driving is, but I'm sure I've come across in 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 an i racing sense before as well. Um, which I'm sure I would have if if it was around about that time. Um, yeah, I mean we had guys like Corby Jones in our team um, yep. who kept, who went into um, SSR afterwards, but um, yep. 
Um, yeah, so I got to learn from a couple of different people um, in my early days. Okay. And so the way uh, iRacing teams work, was that, were you, were you familiar with the team environment in iRacing or were you just coming in unaware of that situation? And once you're in the team, did that have, uh, was, that, was that a bit eye-opening and a bit, did that help you in, in, a lot or um, I guess just get you comfortable within the league racing environment? To, to be honest, I felt like a fish out of water. Um, <laughs> I, it was a completely new ball game for me. And and yes, it was definitely eye-opener, um, you know, getting into a team, team environment and, and not really knowing much about league racing as well, um, as well as a team environment. So it was definitely a big challenge just so to find probably... my feet around um, mm. the team. So it's probably safe to say at this point in time, You've probably got no aspirations as to starting your own team. <laughs> so oh, de de would that be not. fair? So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So okay. So so were you in that environment long before you started to realise that uh, leadership or mentorship was something that you could provide others as well? Oh, look. In my personal, my work life, um, I was managing teams, so. Um, so it, it sort of came natural to me, the whole leadership side of it. So um, after about a season or two in the team, um, I was asked to to lead the team. And all of a sudden, this newbie who came into the team has been asked to lead the team. And obviously, as you can imagine, not everyone was, was happy with that idea. Um, but I've already gained some good traction for myself. I was getting good results and I, I believe at that time I would have won the first championship as well. Um, you're not, and that you're gave me an opportunity. Yeah. I was just going to say, you're not suggesting for one minute that there was politics involved. Really. <laughs> uh, there's always politics in the team environment, unfortunately. Okay, so that yeah that okay so it, I, so a surprise sort of move for yourself then as, as well to be sort of elevated to that to that yeah, level so when, yeah when I when I was request like when I was um, asked to do that I, I thought you know what this is a good opportunity um, to to coach these guys because I was already starting to coach people in my team um, and they were getting results. And obviously, JP saw saw something, um, some sort of potential in me to uh, to lead the team. And and from memory, I did that for a, another season. I think it was probably two seasons. And I won my uh, and I won my second championship while I was leading the team. And yep. it was a fair bit of pressure for me because I need to worry about my own performance, as well as a whole bunch of weird supercar drivers within the team. I think we had probably. 10 guys competing yep. um, in both splits. Um, so that's a good number of people who are um, trying to get their get their performance up in the supercar. Yeah, so you've got, at this point in time, you've got a, a RSRA divides into probably a, a premier split and a, and a development split, and they're running on, yeah. on separate nights. So, so you're not just over um, uh, individual drivers, but you're also over multiple race nights, you know, yeah, we had Multiple. two different race nights. 
yeah, so multiple days of different days of practice trying to sort of juggle all that around as well as worry about your own championship at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So there was a there was a fair bit on my plate. Um and obviously yeah, I'm I'm I go I I run a business as well. So um I I work in there full time as well. So Yeah. And it's one of those things, isn't it? The more you put in the old Nutrigrain saying, the more you put in, the more you get out. It's a, it's, it's, that's, it just sometimes can be just that simple with sim racing. If you want to get faster, you just need to do more laps. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. everyone has their own level of how much time they can commit to it. And then also how much time they're going to ask of you to be able to be there to, to give them feedback on those laps that they are doing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's seed time and it's, about valuable seed time. Um, there's no point in cutting laps for the sake of cutting laps just because it doesn't cost you anything to cut, cut lap and, uh, on iRacing. Um, mm. We go back, we look at data, we compare data to the other teammates. Um, we do a lot of that stuff in the background to improve performance. Um, and that's when we're running the just a fixed setup. And once we went to the, uh, the open setup era of iRacing, um, it was a whole different ball game. Um, I had to understand the things that I learned with real cars in, you know, suspension tuning and things like that, um, handling of the car and all that kind of stuff. I had to put that into iRacing, which was not that hard. I mean, iRacing mimics the, the real life suspension geometries and things like that. So, um, quite quickly, I got my head around that and started making some decent setups that can that can get the team running with the front run guys. Yeah. Um, I think the data analytics, analytics side is probably going to come up again a few times tonight. Um, early doors though, were you, were you familiarizing yourself with MoTeC or was it VRS as your sort of preferred platform where you did, well, these are the type of systems that are offering a service to an iRacer to track their, their data inputs. Well, for a while we were using both of them. Um, Okay. But with Mortec, not everyone was using Mortec. Um, the the guy, guys who were running the real life, uh, in real life racing teams who were in our team, they were running Mortec. So um, I sort of had to get myself familiarized with both Mortec and VRS. But VRS was the biggest platform for iRacing guys to use. So um, we ended up trying to, like we were, ended up converting those guys who were using Mortec into VRS as well to keep the entire team on the same platform, which, which makes it easier. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a very yeah. valuable tool, VRS though. Okay, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, I suppose JP at the time is doing this because he's, he's he owns the league, he also owns the team, so he's looking for, how do I say this, <laughs> to not be seen as... Um, uh, favorable to his own team, I suppose. So you yeah. you picked up a, you weren't just sort of, yeah, you were sort of put into a, a tough position where probably not just your own um, team, but also, you know, there was outside pressures going on there at the same time. So, you know, uh, when you go through situations like, did you come out of it sort of going, oh, I actually really enjoyed that leadership opportunity or was that something that you sort of struggled with at the time? Oh, I, to be honest, I enjoyed it. Um, it was tough at times, um, especially when you got a whole lot of different personalities in one team um, with different challenges for themselves. Um, and at the same time, 
the scenario you were talking about um, where JP owns the league as well as the team, but he wanted me to have the team side of it so he can keep his hands clean of that. Clean of that. Um, yeah. So it was a bit of a bit of a tough juggle. Yeah, because it, that's probably something that maybe uh, people on the outside didn't know that, that you had sort of taken ownership of that lead, but that's uh, through that team. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that, okay, that like, covers off your sort of start really well. I'm, gonna leave, I'm actually going to leave you with a quote, Lass. <laughs> Here we go. This is how we do it. I remember I actually spoke to JP, um, you know, back back around this, this time. Um, and, you know, um, not to delve into my own team stuff, but like I'm trying to, I was having a conversation with him about how, you know, we could go from being a middle of the pack team to, you know, trying to go door to door with you guys essentially. Mm. And he just, um, we had a good lengthy conversation, but this was the one quote that it stood out to me. He just said, Dean, it's really simple. You just need a lass with Leonard in your team. But <laughs> I think he meant him. You needed so, you need someone that actually is just solely focused on track and and helping people. And um, I think getting everyone to buy buy into to practices and doing that data analyst those types of things rather than you know um, you know your other team admin things like sorting liveries and and all this stuff that really doesn't correlate to on track results so uh it was yeah. kind of funny at the time but i kind of almost understood it completely but unfortunately lastly and i just don't grow on trees <laughs> yeah so, got a good, good thing good thing i didn't have to deal with organizing liveries or organizing sponsors for the team or anything like that all yeah. i had to do was focus on team's performance my performance and trying to get as many of our cars as possible to the front um, that was my main goal. Yeah. So you're, and, you're and, and when you there. compete against teams like Nine Five Sim Sports and a few of the others, um, I think we had Fishy as well. So it it wasn't easy coming up front the front. Yes. Yeah. It, it comes. I think when you start, the higher you go, the smaller the margins you're chasing. I think is probably the easiest way but in terms of time. What you need to find, but it's also becomes much harder to find a couple of tents uh, yep. than when you're down the back. Okay, so um, all right, so RSRAs are run and done, and and, and JP Simshed disbands the team at the same time when well, I think it was probably a season before the last season of Real Sim Racing Australia. Um, yes. As you said, there's quite a large amount of people in that team, um, and there was sort of a, a breakout of quite a few teams from that. But you know, at that point in time, what what makes you decide that this is the moment that you're going to start a Phoenix Racing team? Well, um, I believe it was the last two seasons, or maybe even three seasons. Um, I got my son Rehan starting in the team as well i believe it probably was the last two seasons um memories not that great around that time um yeah. and he started in the team um i brought in dylan pereira into the team um and we had a whole bunch of other guys and tim malford was one of the other guys and we we um gelled really well with each other um so when 
when the team was no longer um, existing, I thought this is a good time to um, move on and set up my own team because um, my plan was to help Rehan develop as a driver. And when I have a whole bunch of other people to to help, it's makes it very hard for me to help him and giving him mm -hmm. giving him the help that he really deserves. Um, so I had to make a call that we have to do our own thing. So we came up with Phoenix Racing Team, and um, and we thought, you know what, we're going to keep it small. There's a whole bunch of people who wanted to join our team from JP Simshed, but we decided to keep it very small. Myself, Rehan, Dylan, and Tim. And that sort of got us started with that. Yep. Um, and it was, that was just over two years ago now, probably two and a half. Yeah. Yep, so we go, time flies, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, it does. Okay, so um, you yeah, you mentioned there the small nuclear nature of the team. Um, you sort of got me on a couple of questions I was about to ask you. <laughs> but but um, yeah, so you, you the small nature of the team and, and Rahan comes, comes into the fold. Now, he... Just to recap, I guess what Rahan had done at this point in time in sim racing was he he'd come through the development series one season, um, and then had two seasons in the super series RSRA. Was that is that right? Um, he was in the development series um, once, and um, yep. he came runners up. Um, that was called the. T2E series mm -hmm. um, and um, he came third in the super series twice okay. um, and then he won the last one okay so he's done three he did three seasons alright so yeah, and, three and seasons of the top tier yes mm, mm. and for context how old was uh, Rahan when he entered the development series, and then when he uh, when he won I his think super? He team? was, I think he was eleven, from memory. Um, he might have been just about to turn eleven. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, okay, so uh, we've got another. So we've got Rahan as an eleven-year-old into the development series. Um, so he goes uh, twelve weeks in the development series. Uh, gets promoted as the runner-up, and yep. and then has uh, his sort of initial season in the Super Series, um, and then finishes on the podium. Uh, sorry, he finishes on the podium. Yeah, in the first two se uh, seasons, and and then wins it in the last year. So effectively, that is what would be a twelve-month period. Those four seasons. Correct. Okay. So, yep, we've got an eleven. Yeah. So there's there's an, there's another person that's on that trajectory that we talked about earlier with yourself about starting starting in split two at the start of the year, crown split one champion at, at the end, what would be the end of a, a 12-month cycle. Um, and, you know, um, at this time, we're probably viewing Super Series as comparable to maybe, say, the the, the, bat, the second half of, of a V8 Scots field, something like 
that sorry the yeah the lower half of a split one v8 stops field somewhere in about that context so it's certainly not a a, a field of mugs <laughs> any stretch no of no because i would say some of the drivers that we had in the super series um was somewhere in the top split of uh scops yeah um so that's the got... level they were at. yeah yeah so you've got dylan right in there you've got um uh where you were in it for one or two and then you've got sean mcnamara you've got um cameron jones like all these guys that have sort of moved pretty quickly straight away after rsra into into split one scops as being regular yep, correct regular fixtures so you know it's a yep. good barometer tool to have at the time because he's you know we're talking about that we're talking about someone that's gone from again a development driver um into being a, a someone capable of, of being within the top 20 drivers in the v8 scops online premier series which is obviously the the pinnacle at that point in time for yep. the v8 supercars in australia and as a 12 year old so <laughs> um you know that that's um i i had it i had an inkling that that would be why you would you would um make your own team and, and keep it small because it allowed you that more one-on-one -on -one time with rahan um one of my earliest memories of Raham was when you shared a photo on Facebook and he was sat in the sim. Uh, and I think he had an iPad and, and he had Madison down and his telemetry up on the iPad while he was in a practice session. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, how does an 11 year old know how to do that? <laughs> He's very good at data analysis. Um, <laughs> It was very easy to teach him those things as well because he actually absorbed it pretty quickly. Yeah, so he... Okay, so do you recall at what point he sort of come to you and said... Um, was he someone that, that used to watch you in the broadcast of those races? Um, was he already showing interest in motorsport? Do you recall when, that, when he sort of first came to you and said, you know, let me have a crack? Um... He started motorsports and karting when he was about six. Um, so I got him a go-kart for his sixth birthday and uh, we hit the track at um, Orkney Kart Club. Um, and at the time, you could not race until you were eight. Um, so that's a cadet nine class, so under mm -hmm. nines. Um, so we were practicing for two years because we couldn't race. And then when he was eight, we managed to get him into his first race. I can't remember exactly where he finished, somewhere just outside of top five. Um, and then we started building on that, um, got him some driver coaching from a um, couple of the top karting guys, Dave Serra, James Serra, multiple national kart title winners. Um, yep. Got coaching from those guys. So got him up to speed in karting. So, um, he was still in cadet nine class and um, unfortunately my work commitments got busy for the weekends. I could not take him to the track. Um, so we decided to put a hold on the karting journey yep. and, um, and decided that, you know, he would be on a sim. Um, so he started with Gran Turismo and he was doing this for a while. And, um, and then obviously I started racing in RSRA. So, Things got a bit interesting from there. He was watching my races. Um, 
actually the entire family was watching my races and um, yeah. cheering me on. And then um, I thought maybe it's a good idea to get him into iRacing. So he was yeah. maybe 10 and a half when he got into iRacing and got him a little Logitech G29 wheel and got him going. Uh, so, all right, so you, 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 you could sense that it was coming, um, just break because he hadn't had that, that sort of track interest and, and cause I'm imagining this is sort of corresponding with COVID at the same time. Yeah, this was, uh, yeah, well, the iRacing happened to him around COVID time, just before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the, the karting side of it, or obviously well before that. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a tool to sort of keep him going whilst, you know, he may or may not have been able to with restrictions and stuff from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another, I guess another interesting guy you brought up, we touched on briefly before was, um, I think everyone that was in that RSRA, you, Dylan, uh, Pereira is it? I think he just come in and showed sort of, you know, really, really good pace early doors. Um, and so he goes across with you, but then, then Timmy Mulford comes across with you as well. And, um, yeah. he's an interesting guy for, for, for many reasons. Um, he, he had been around for quite some time and, and, you know, Timmy's a, like he's stoic, I guess it's one word I'd <laughs> use to describe Timmy. Um, yeah, not that, not that I have had any, any uh negative interactions with timmy but i remember sort of doing some commentary and stuff and yeah he's just, he's sort of like the guy the big bodybuilder that walks out of the gym like he's carrying buckets like that's what he drives his car like you just can't get around him um, <laughs> and um he comes out as a well, we refer to them as a, a split split two driver in in rsr at the time but yeah. now you know uh you know part of the segments that i'm trying to do we've with this podcast is trying to follow along with a couple of series. He's right there in, in top split now. So he's, he's another guy that sort of thrived from that. Uh, I can only speculate which, what is just so that, that in-depth analysis and that data crunching and that sort of, um, environment that you have there, which is really driving success within, in not just small success. Like I think he's, he's come a very long way within those two years of Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, he's he's developed a lot. Um, we spend a fair bit of time with each other, um, you know, helping Tim, and um, even with his Scops journey, we spend a fair bit of time uh, coaching Tim uh, for Scops, and he's one of those guys. He will listen, he will absorb, and yes, some of his bad habits might still be there, but we've sort of evolved him into a into a driver that he can be proud of. Yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't, um, I certainly wouldn't have referred to his habits as bad habits. He's definitely, you know, Sean, the thing Sean was talking about last week was picking up guys and, and talking about how they were often too kind to people on track, um, mm. would give their, you know, that's something that people in his team have had to learn where I would sort of describe Tim as someone that's already had, that is, that's probably the first skill that Tim, <laughs> that Tim had that come into the team. He's, he just seems to be you know, a little bit different in that perspective that he, he, he knows how to defend, defend his position. But now, 
now he can sort of just go eyes forward as well if he needs to um, with his with his overall pace. Yeah, one one thing we we worked with him for was um, you know pick your battles. Um, don't try and defend everything. Um, yeah, make sure you keep your eyes forward and and race smart. Um, and that's one of the things that we always worked on, uh, whether it's with Rehan or the the time that I spent with Dylan. Um, it's all always about, about racing smart. Have a strategy for your race, not just your pit strategy, but overall strategy. Okay, yeah. So bigger picture stuff in terms of yeah. how the race can unfold. Yeah, because there's there's obviously multiple uh, elements to consider across the race of the V8 supercar. It, it's savage on tires. It's it can be savage on fuel. It's one of those cars in I racing that has a really really wide window with variance on those couple of it, those things. So yeah, yeah, you can have you can win or lose a race on many different facets, and and, and only need, you only need to drop the ball in one facet to have that race come undone. Correct. It's very easy to do with the supercar. So, you know, we touched on the small nucleus of the, the team. Um, I think you, was it, um, sorry if I get the name wrong here, but I think, was it Steve Vella? There's, I know there's a lot of Vellas going around at the moment. Was it Steve yeah, Vella? Yeah, yes. Was yep. also involved in the team at one point? Uh, he still is. Um, he, he's, a, he's a man with a very busy schedule, so um, he doesn't get to do all the races that he wants to, but um, he is... Uh, he's one of our major sponsors for the team too. Um, yep. He owns Melbourne Hydrographics Depot. Um, mm -hmm. I've known Steve for a very long time. Um, we used to um, race fifth scale RC cars um, that's got little engines. Um, yep. So um, that's how I um, met Steve. Um, so I got to know him quite quite well over the years and um, and and he showed some interest in eye racing and and once he got his rig set up, um, I said to him, "Why don't you um, come and race with us? Um, obviously, you're sponsoring the team already. Um, yep. Why don't you jump in and do some races whenever you've got time?" Um, so he's done that. He's competed in Scops quite a few times in Split Two, and um, he can hold his own on track. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's I. I th I, I had a guess that Steve was behind Melbourne Hydrographics um, Depot. So you touched on, on, on your sponsors there. So let's let's flesh them out a little bit more. And, and by all means, if you want to rattle them off, go for it right here. But um, with sponsorship in, in your team, was, are you are you looking to affiliate yourself? Is there, was there sponsorship already, um, I guess, did you were you did you have sponsorships ready to go when you started the team, or is that something that you've sort of built over the two year period? Um, we had um, once we decided we we're gonna go ahead and create our create our team. Um, one of the first guys that I approached was Steve. Um, it made it easier for me to approach him because I've known him for years. Um, yep. So I told him, "Look, I'm creating this team. Um, Rehan is coming up the ranks." Um, it's just a matter of time before he start, um, winning Scops races. So I want to make sure that I'll give him the first opportunity at, um, at sponsoring the team. And I don't think he even thought it for a second before he said yes. Um, yeah. so, um, 
Melbourne Hydro Graphics went on the side of the car. Um, and at the time, um, I was a customer of Track Racer. Um, yep. So I approached Matt Sten um, for sponsorship. Um, and he didn't think much of it either. And he said, yes. Um, so we had Track Racer on the bonnet um, of the car. So um, those were the two main sponsors at the start um, on our car. And yep. we had we had um, other companies like Simcoe um, and a couple of others. Um, we got Aramex Heatherton. Um, so that's how things got started. Okay, and now you've got you've got. A, I was just sort of, you know, doing my uh, due diligence before, and you you got quite a list there now. So. It's it's obviously boiling along and the car's looking fantastic. It's a yeah, I think you're with um you're with Ross at RSW graphics graphics as well. So Yes. He's he's a present. So yeah, okay. Yeah, so he, you're he's you're, been Yeah, he's been um, great with us. Um he did our very first livery and he's done our current livery and, and, and everything in between. Um so um He's to he's our go-to guy for for liveries um, and anything graphic design related. He's designed um, business logos for me um, on top of the liveries. Um, yep. So he's done a he's done a lot with the team, and um, he's one of the guys who will uh, never say no to a um, to an idea that I have, and he comes <laughs> up with. Um, I just have to give him guidelines, and he'll comes up he'll come up with. Um, great livery um yeah. which i don't have to change much to yeah get to where i want it to go um so yeah it's, it's been really great with us with the team and another sponsor is um uh prestige symptography so yep. um they came on board with us last season to do our photos and um and now this season um, he continues to do photos for us and, um, and, um, we do their setups, uh, for scops. So they want to compete as a team. He's got his own team. Um, okay. they want to compete, um, uh, in scops this year. Yep. Um, so we've agreed to, um, sponsor them in return, um, uh, with our, um, coaching side of it. So Phoenix driver development is, is, uh, coaching now. So we do setups for weird supercars and coaching. Yep. Um, and, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, um, he's got a good partnership with us now. So, um, our Phoenix driver developments on, on his cars and his pre, uh, prestige symptography is on our cars. We help each other. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's, it's an element that, I've previous thought to be quite close within the sim community, but to be able to get out and network with people. And I think, you know, once you start a conversation with a lot of other people in this, you soon work out that, you know, they're just like you, they have these co, um, interests and, and, and are just as willing to try and have a good conversation. Like you, you, mm. you look at the real world motorsport where you know, you would never talk to someone from another team. Like that would be frowned upon, like yeah, <laughs> if you were yeah. sharing or, or working together. So, you yeah. know, I guess some people can 
can be misconstrued in thinking that that's what it's like in the sim world. But actually, when you reach out and you know you you, you share a common interest, you can have you can start building these partnerships and. And, and, and you quite clearly here, I'm seeing you sort of going down the channels or staying in the sim community and, and building stronger and stronger networks, which is resulting in um, obviously more and more things for yourself and the team. So yeah. um, is the team's main focus in 2024 still on the Supercars Online Premier Series or is it now changing as well? Um, our main goal is um, uh, Supercars and um it'll be the scops um and um rehan also um does supercars nz um he's been part of it for a few years now um a couple of years actually and um he's won four championships there so um he's gonna continue doing that um mostly because it's a great league to be part of and a lot of our um coaching students race in that league as well so we help them out a fair bit awesome so let's let's delve into the coaching side of things just briefly here and then i think we'll we will go with a bit more on on uh, rahan himself but um so so i think i um i briefly recall seeing the phoenix coaching program come up um uh, Dane, I forget Dane's last name now, but no, he was, that's him. Um, yeah. he'd come up and was a post saying that, that you guys, that this was the first time that I sort of gone, oh, okay. Um, is this what's sort of happening here? Tell us a bit about how this has all come about. And is this is something that you're keeping small and, and relatively select at the moment, or are you taking on board anybody that wants to come along and, and sort of improve themselves. I, I'm assuming in the V8 supercar and and learning the data analytics side of things and and how to hopefully get themselves on that steep bell curve of of rapid improvement that yourself and many others that you've come across have have done. Well, um, Phoenix driver development side happened in a, a bit of a strange way. It wasn't something that we were planning to do until a couple of guys. Um, who's seen Rehan race and and approached me and said, um, any chance you can help us? Um, their 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 way of saying that was, uh, you you made a a twelve years a twelve year old into winning a Scops um, <laughs> race and coming in the podium in Scops. Um, I'm sure you can help us gain a few. 10 or a few seconds, um, and yep. you know, have some success in the V8 supercar. Um, that sort of got things started. I was never planning on, on doing something like that. My always, always my focus being the team and, and Rehan. And, um, that got me thinking and all of a sudden we got 30 plus guys at the moment who are getting regular wow. coaching. Okay, um, so that is a lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he just became quite big, and it was just word of mouth. I have yep. not advertised. Um, it was just you help one person, and they'll go and tell a few others, and all of a sudden, we have probably six or seven teams that's getting coaching from us, from 
anywhere from supercars NZ to now V8 Vets as well. Um, they're on fixed setups, but we, they can, we can still give them coaching for that. Yeah. Um, and and the guys who are just doing officials, they're happy just doing officials and get them up to speed. Okay, so I'm just I'm saying the quote again, Dean. It's really simple. You just need a lasseth Leonage in your teeth. Now you can pay him, and he will come and do that. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, so it is possible. Um, yeah. Well, that's it. That's really. Interesting. I had no idea, and obviously, like you said, it, it's obviously been a big word of mouth thing for you, venture for you. Yeah. But I, yeah. I had no idea that you'd grown it into. And when you said today, you know. I've, I was, I had five back-to-back -back coaching sessions and I'm like, what? that's your whole team, isn't it? Like, what are you talking about? You're actually, yeah, you, you've got clientele and, and you've got 30 of them. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense as to why you would do that on your Sunday. Yeah, we did a couple of um, big group sessions. Um, one of the groups had seven and the other one had 11. Um, and um, yeah, it went uh, for a long time and everyone got a fair bit out of it. Big, big number of PBs. Um, everyone seemed to be very happy with their performance. So, um, I'd say we're doing something right. Absolutely. Um, and so, okay. So if, if people are looking to start strike a conversation, like where, where, where do they head? Well, they can, um, DM me, uh, for starters. Um, yep. we just, we're just about to create a Facebook page. Um, because that's something that people have been asking, where's your Where's your um, socials? Um, yeah. So I wasn't planning on doing that, but because obviously people been asking and I had nowhere to direct them to, um, I've decided to create a page. It's um, not done yet, um, but it will be done in the next week or so. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll I'll try and jump on that and, and, and share that out whenever I see that come up. That's for sure. Okay. Well, that, that's, mate, well done. That, that is really interesting and i've got to say it just i mean it suits you down to the ground from everything that i know and i've heard and have seen it it, it makes complete logic that you would go into something like that um all right well let's let's deviate now and, and you know this and uh, we've been talking already for for 48 minutes so it's been but this is the main part of sort of what i was trying to hope to talk to you about and that that is rahan and you know and this is the unique angle i think of your story where you have you have your own uh your own little man coming into the league and he was a little man he's how old is Rehan? <laughs> oh, well, Rehan. I swear every broadcast says he's 12 years old and I feel like I've known him for half a decade. <laughs> but can you clarify how old um, is He's born in 2010, March. So uh, he's going to be 14 this year. Okay. Okay. He's so still he's 13. Up. Yeah. So he's not even in his prime yet. So that. that no, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't think he's reached his peak yet. No. No, no, no. It is ever evolving um, <laughs> over the last few years. Um, it's going to be what three, three and a bit now, three and a half maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a, it was a good journey. Yeah, well, it's just the start, and, and obviously, yeah. And I thought, I thought about you know, do I ask to see whether Rahan can come in? But I think it's, I think at some point he will command his own podcast if he ever wants to do it i think trying to get him on for 10 minutes would be uh, would be an injustice so i think you know something tells me that he'll have 
you know, something big on his horizon in the next 12 months that, you know, yeah, um, I'd like to come back and say, Laz, what do you, what do you think about this? Look, can we do something again? Um, but okay. So, so I, I just wrote a little, a little thing down here where, you know, he's obviously, he's obviously come in and he's, he's got the attitude towards learning the, 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 the data analysts. He's, he's come in and, um, obviously his main car choice is the supercar, which makes total sense coming from where you were, but multiple times V8 supercar in Z champion. So, um, I think he won his first season, but he was an invite as a wild car. Wasn't he? Yeah. And then he just won the whole <laughs> <He> thing. Was. <laughs> he, he was. He was invited as a, um, as a wild card, um, to compete against some of the best supercars and Z drivers they have. Um, yeah. And some of them are scops, top split drivers too. Um, and when he raced the first race, I can't remember how much of a margin he won that by, but it was convincing. It was yeah. a convincing win. And um, and they were quite happy with that. And at the time, there wasn't many Australian drivers racing in that series. It was mostly Kiwi. Um, mm -hmm. So they decided to invite him to do a full season. Um so he did the full season. This was 2022, I believe. I'm just going to the trophy cabinet to have a look at the <laughs> year of the of the trophy. It's 2022 season one. Um, it's his first Supercars NZ Championship. <clears throat> and then he won three back-to-back. -back. Um, and then he took a bit of a break. Um, and then focused on other stuff. And then came back and won another one, which was the last season. I, I recall you, you know, we've obviously tried to stay in, in, in a little bit of touch since the Real Sim Race in Australia. Um, I remember in one conversation, you, you, you'd mentioned that Rehan had, um, was enjoying earning some pocket money <laughs> racing in the, and that's no disrespect <laughs> to the V8 Supercar uh, and Zedley, but, but it helps put some perspective on, you know, what level Rehan's at at this point in time, because you know, real sim racing Australia doesn't exist anymore. I know it's at the time, yeah, certainly early seasons of real sim racing, or, or like you said before, it was known as Jinx. People probably thought uh, this is a lower level league, but certainly by the end of it, it, it had started to reach a standing. And certainly when Rahan won the championship, where he now ups as a wildcard entry and dominates a whole league in the first outing, uh, and a league that has... Um, you know some of some well-known drivers in the in the in the game in Australia, so yeah. um, it helps put some helps people that understand what level the the, the V8 Supercar uh, NZ Championships are and, and where Rehan's now coming out as a 12-year-old and and where he's at. So you know he's um, he's what he's obviously multiple-time champion in there. He's he's won the, the official series in the. Yeah, he won the official series. official Div One Supercars um, series four times as well. Four um, times. <laughs> yeah, so he's done that four yeah. times. He's done Supercars NZ four times. Um, he's won two rounds of Scops last year. Um, mm -hmm. He had a whole lot of bad luck with his PC and all that kind of stuff in the middle of the season, which really ruined his chance of fighting for the championship closely. But he came yeah. close. Uh, he came second um, in the Supercars with uh, um, Scops Championship last year. He came second. Second in the championship, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, you know, that, you know, last year we see, we see Logitech G Invitational Series sort of emerge onto the scene and but, but at the same time, he's still going up against, you know, you know, the cream of the crop there and, and you know, he's coming in second as a then 13 year old. Um, so well, he, okay. he did compete in the Logitech series as well. Um, yep. He got um, invited to to race with um, Pursuit Sim Racing, um, mm -hmm. which now has become uh, Altus Australia. Yeah. Um, so Michael Talianchich um, invited Rehan to join that team um, to race in Logi. So um, we've accepted that invitation and then he raced he qualified for logitech um i believe he finished second in the qualifying series so he went through the whole qualifying process um pre-quali um qualifying and then he entered the series i think um i think his best result was um uh was philip Island, i believe um i remember he qualified he qualified seventh um in logi against some of the best drivers in the country um and he qualified seventh from memory um yep. at philip island okay so, so um, that's yeah he had, a, he had a decent run in some of the races some of the races he had some bad luck um so overall wasn't a great finish um yep. that we wanted but then again i think we sort of bit more than we could chew at that time. Had too many things going on um, with school, um, issues that we had with technology and preparing for scops and having Logi back-to-back. -back. Yep. Versus some of the guys who were racing in Logi, they did not race scops at all. Um, yep. So it was a time constraint, had a lot going on. So um, this year we decided to um, skip Logi Logic series and um, yeah. focus mostly on on scops. Okay, so you get a bit of a progression path uh, going on there with that. You know, you'd imagine if he does go along and tick that off, that he then will again change focuses again. As long as <clears throat> that continues to be the landscape for the V8 supercars, where where we we are viewing Logitech as the as the pinnacle. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, because that sort of leads into my next question where you've got, yeah, Rahan, who's obviously got just immense ability um, and he's he's doing a lot of racing. Um, so he, he's, he's a very boring question for you. Um, you know, how do you, how do you balance him against something like iRacing Burnout? Like, the, it, it, I think... Um, a lot of us at some point can go down through burnout where, where you can lose motivation from having, you know, overexposure or, um, you know, over, certainly like a, a string of unfortunate events or, or results or instances that are not your, your fault. Um, you know, as I guess it's a, it's a, it's a two, it's a two phase question where you, 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 you're there as Rehan's, um, team manager, coach, but you're also his, his, his parent as well. So is that something that you think about much? Is that conscious or do you just see that that's never going to be a factor with him? Look, I, I mean, I can't predict the future, but um, we 
brought him up to be a resilient kid. Um, he competes in athletics at the state level. Um, he does karate on the side. Um, and he does sim racing. So um, he's got a fair bit on. Um, but he's one of those people, if he's busy, he'll focus on something and he'll go hard at it. And yep. I give him breaks from time to time from the sim just to refresh and reset um, him rather than cutting laps all the time. But now having his coaching side, it's really reinforcing what he knows when he coaches people. Um, so it's sort of a downtime for him stepping away from racing and helping others at the same time. Okay, so he's involved in the coaching element as well. Oh, so he's, he's not he does of... he does a lot of the coaching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so okay, there's another feather in the cap. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you know, I guess we had we had sort of there's, there's a sim racing boom that happens over um, that happens over the COVID period where we see things like you know. Uh, the 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 V eight the actual V eight supercars come and race a series and we had several subsequent sort of E series broadcasted on Foxtel. Is do you think we'll ever get back to those? And again, you you can't really predict the future, but you sort of got Rahan uh, at you know fourteen years old where he's got so much time in the sim that if if those series ever come back again there's every chance that as long as he keeps going that he'll he'll be right in in a, in a box office seat to to try and get into one of those is that is that something that you think a is possible that that will come back and, and b you think that might be on his horizon uh definitely i mean just to give you a bit of background on that i think uh in 2022 they had the pizza hut driver um, surge. So that is mm -hmm. for the E-Series. Um, he qualified for that one and he came in the top 10. Um, I think only the top guy got the opportunity to go into E-Series. Um, so he did quite well and at the time he was only 12 um, to qualify for that. And then the E-Series came around and we were about to enter him for E-Series but the age limitation was 16. So, um, unfortunately, uh, he could not have a crack at that. So we're definitely hoping that will they'll be on the horizon, um, for us at some point when, uh, E-Series comes back, hopefully. Yeah. Cause I'm not too sure where it's at myself. Um, whether, whether it did run last year, I don't, I don't think it did, but, but I um, don't think they did No, no. Yeah. Because, uh, um, you know, there's there's now an element where there there's um, certainly if the V8 supercars are to go anywhere that, that they'll need that that to come back, then you have a prize money or something like a a, a large prize state that you know it's never going to be a, an income, I suppose, but it's going to be certainly something that um, you know because he's he's fourteen is there's probably no pressure on him to work. Like it, it, it's, a, it could be an income for him. And, and, and we've got, um, you know, the Porsche take you, 
eSports supercar. We've seen a lot of drivers from the supercar community go into that. And you know, yeah. that, that's now sitting at over 200,000 US for Correct. the prize pool. So, you know, he fits the bill and the timeline for if this ever does start to progress in terms of a, 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 an industry where you can earn a living, you know, there might be something there for him. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, because he's not even 14 yet. So I reckon a lo lot of the race car drivers or even sim racers, they don't peak until they're in their 20s. Um, yeah. and, and that's a fact. So um, he's got quite a few years to perfect the craft that he, he, he knows. So yeah. um, there's, there's always a lot of opportunities in the sim racing side of it. Now that Motorsports Australia is involved in it too. Um, last year... Um, there was a Tri-Nations Cup that Rehan qualified for in a GD3. So he wanted to do something different. Um, he represented Australia in the Tri-Nations against New Zealand and uh, UK. Um, so he had a good crack at that, qualified. Um, and I, I can't remember where he finished exactly, but he had a good run. So things yes. like that. Um, and they had the F4 um, championship in... Um, giving the opportunity to, to um, go to Malaysia into the Sabang circuit. Obviously, wow. that was a minimum of 14 years old, so you could yep. not compete for that one, but hoping that it'll be there again this season. So, okay, there's, so there's a few things to look forward to. Yeah, there's some def there's some clear opportunities, whether, it's, whether it is prize money or whether it's other things that are coming down the line that, that he's getting himself right in the thick of to to qualify for yeah definitely yeah yeah well Laz, we've been going for over an hour now i, I feel <laughs> like this this you know uh as long as you're ever you're open to it is another one that we can check back in with um you know down the track certainly once once uh you know scops is back up and underway and and you know, and we might get a chance to talk to Rohan, but you know, the time goes fast. But uh, uh, I, uh, I am gonna, I'm, I am gonna wrap it up there. So, um, mate, if if you like, go ahead by all means and and, and shout out any sponsors or anyone in the team that you want to give a shout out to, and and uh, mate, we'll see it out. Yeah, I, I want to give a big thanks to um, our major sponsors of the team, um, Melbourne Hydrographics, um, DHF Tires. Um, we got RSW Graphics, um, Prestige Symptography, we got Bubbles and Balloons, um, Aramex Heatherton, and um, of course, um, Rehan's um, personal sponsor, Hybrid Racing Simulations. And uh, they came on board with Rehan for 2024 season. And um, we all know, and he's a well respected guy, Brett. Um, with hybrid racing simulations and uh it's uh it's an honor to have that on the side of Rehan's car for 2024. We did skip over that, didn't we? I, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, I was meaning <laughs> to ask you about that because that is a big one. That that um you know they've been a big importer of sort of premium sim products and they jump on board they back Rehan now. Um and I'll tie this into another thing that's going on, but you also now have a second boy entering the, the sim world is <laughs> are you going to have to lodge a development application with the council to sort of renovate your sim room it's getting that big now well I, I, I was planning for that so the sim room 
um, we build was uh, quite a large one to accommodate three sims. And um, lucky for me, his sim is quite tiny at the moment. So uh, <laughs> at the moment, yeah. <laughs> um, but we might have to uh, um, reshuffle things around when he gets to a level where he can have triple screens and have a full size rig. But I think I'm safe for a few years. He's only he's only four. <laughs> So it is looking more like a shop front at the moment. <laughs> you could hire you could hire that place out to people. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm hoping that I can uh, train some young guys to uh, to how to drive because um, <laughs> Rehan went from sim to driving real cars. Now he's competing in his first event next week, next weekend. Um, so uh, there's a car that we use for competing in hill climbs. So uh, he'll be doing some car crossing that just to get the eye in this year and hopefully do hill clumps next year. Oh, that's awesome stuff, Laz. Look, I really appreciate you jumping on and having a chat at, you know, I'm pretty reasonably short notice and, and you, know, you, you wouldn't have known much about me or what I'm doing here. So I just appreciate it, mate. And, and look, um, yeah, can't say enough about you really. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to, um, jump in and have a chat probably went a little bit longer than we expected, but. Um, hopefully it's a good one for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. All righty, mate. Thanks very much. All right. Have a good one. That is it for tonight's show. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lassith Leonage. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed the show, you can follow along by jumping onto the Sim Racing in Focus.blog website, signing up to the newsletter to be reminded when a new podcast episode gets released each week. Follow along on Spotify. Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, all of which you'll find linked in the show notes. Uh, and keep an eye out for the show on uh, Apple Podcasts. And hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, uh, the feed might appear on YouTube as well. So keep an eye out for all that. Uh, but other than that, it's bye for now. <laughs>